Welcome to the New Perceptions Podcast, the official podcast of the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry. The New Perceptions Podcast is for education, information, and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the official policies of any entity. This podcast in the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry does not support or condone the illegal use, distribution, or sale of psychedelic substances. Furthermore, the topics discussed should not be solely used to diagnose, treat, or prevent diseases or conditions, and the reading of or listening to this podcast does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. The content discussed does not constitute medical advice, and any specific medical questions should be directed toward your personal healthcare professional. Today on the podcast... Comprehensive review of psilocybin use. If you are listening to us on the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry website, it would be easier for you and better for us if you would please consider following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you will be notified when the latest episode airs. I am Dr. Tyler Chervested, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and it's my privilege to welcome you to this author interview edition of the podcast. Dr. Tony Seaman obtained his undergraduate degree in microbiology at the University of Kansas and attended medical school at Saba University. He is currently a PGY-4 psychiatry resident at the University of Kansas Health System in Kansas City, Kansas. He also serves as a deputy editor of the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry, and his article, Psilocybin Use in the Future Psychiatric Practice, a Comprehensive Review, can be found in the inaugural issue, which is available on our website. He can also be heard on our first episode of this podcast in the editor's edition. Tony, welcome. Thank you for having me, Tyler. So for those listeners out there who haven't read your piece, could you tell us a little bit about your article? So basically, I did a comprehensive review of psilocybin use in the treatment of depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. Uh, basically, what I did was review uh, the available literature on um, PubMed and uh, take those articles and compile them into a review paper on different areas in which psilocybin can be used in the future use of psychiatry. Very interesting. What led you to wanting to explore this topic in psychedelics specifically? Well, you know, psychedelics are kind of an emerging field in in psychiatry, and I've had an interest in psychedelics in the last several years, mainly after we started to do a little lot more reviews of ketamine and and use ketamine more frequently. Um, in turn, I started to follow more closely the current research on psychedelics, um, and it's been very interesting to kind of see where that's led. But over the last year, it's been more there have been more positive studies uh, on different psychedelics, um, which are leading research um, further in the area of psychiatry and uh, psychedelic use. What was it about psilocybin compared to the other psychedelics that really drew your interest? Well, psilocybin is a really interesting compound, I think. Uh, basically, one, it's naturally occurring um, in, in the environment, uh, mainly in mushrooms. Um, and so that, that led me to find that it was pretty interesting um, and wanted to do a little bit more research on that. And then another reason um, is that psilocybin recently um, um, has gained attention from the FDA and researchers uh, about how easy it is. Uh, to administer and how it can it be administered in pill form. Um, so that's kind of led to my interest in psilocybin. What are some of the positive aspects that you found in your, your literature review for psilocybin? So basically there are several. Um, some of the main areas uh, of, of positive uh, research uh, is Dr. Carhart Harris did several on depression. Um, it, two different studies using low-dose and high-dose psilocybin, the low-dose being 10 milligrams the high dose being 25 milligrams of psilocybin in treatment-resistant depression patients. Um, and basically in these studies, there was a significant decrease in the number of, in the depressive symptoms uh, that were maintained even after the six-month follow-up period. Um, 
with the most robust uh, depression um, effects in the first week or so. Um, a second area uh, that this paper kind of highlights is in the anxiety realm. Um, Dr. Griffins um, did uh, several studies on cancer patients or terminally ill patients with cancer diagnoses um, in both anxiety and depression that were given psilocybin of varying doses um, and had a significant decline in both their anxiety and depression symptoms, um, which kind of led to a higher quality of life in these patients, considering they were terminal. Um, and, um, and that kind of, you know, leads to a better, better outcome as far as death and dying goes for them. And then the final kind of area or the last kind of area here is addiction, um, in which they showed several alcohol studies, people who, um, had alcohol use disorder as their main diagnosis. Um, and after a single dose of uh, psilocybin along with therapy sessions, the number of drinking days significantly decreased. There was another study on tobacco use too, which a lot of these smokers had significant pack year history, smoking a lot um, for many years, um, that showed uh, many of the patients, uh, 12 out of the 15 participants, um, had total cessation at the 12-month follow-up. Um, actually, 12 out of the 15 showed had decrease initially, and then nine of the 15 had to smoke free at the 12 month follow up. So that was pretty interesting as well. Um, and then all of these, all of these studies that were done basically had similar parameters done. Um, you know, and and that's kind of one of the main things with with psychedelic research is that the environment is very important. So they had a lot of uh, tranquil environment, easy listening music, uh, therapy staff on hand, um, and then all of uh, the all these studies too had the same, pretty much the same exclusion criteria. Couldn't have a personal or family history of psychosis or bipolar illness. Um, and then each individual study kind of had their own exclusion criteria based on the study. But uh, so that was kind of the main areas of, of study that that paper touched on. Speaking of bipolar and psychosis in general, what are some of the precautions that we need to take with psilocybin use or some of the negative adverse effects that people need to be aware of? Sure. So with, with someone with psychosis or, or family history of psychosis or bipolar illness, you don't want to participate in these studies or, or um, do studies with, with uh, psychedelic uses. You have a propensity, potential propensity to, um, to go into a bipolar mania or a psychotic episode. Um, and so those people are always excluded from these um, uh, studies just for that reason. Uh, but mainly the negative aspects uh, of psilocybin in particular, you know, um, based on all these studies, the main ones were um, headaches, nausea, uh, and increased blood pressure, usually during um, the, the dosing sessions. Uh, these were all pretty limited uh, in that um, by the time the session was over, most of, of the, the side effects had gone away. Um, there are a couple reports of, of headaches lasting maybe 24 to 48 hours afterwards treated with like over the counter Tylenol or, or, um, 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 ibuprofen. Um, but they were not, um, uh, significant in any way. I did find one case report in my literature review of an 18 year old who had ingested psilocybin and jumped out of a second story window. Um, again, it's not really clear. Um, the reasoning for this and, and who knows what was going on with, with this 18 year old and things like that. But, um, you know, and who knows kind of what was going on too in the environment and, and all that stuff. So, 
you know there are some precautions that need to be taken um in in but usually in a controlled um uh, research like setting um the the side effects are really minimal kind of in that same vein you know you're talking about precautions that need to be taken for future psychedelic research what other limitations do you foresee in future psychedelic or psilocybin specifically research yeah. So right now, psilocybin and all the psychedelics actually is continue to remain uh, a schedule one, um, meaning that they have no known medical use. Um, now, so, do, do we do we actually believe that? I got to cut you off there for a second. Do we actually believe they have no medical use with all this new literature that's coming out? I think honestly, I think with the new literature coming out, that the, they're going to have to reschedule uh, the the substances. But you know, as of now, they're currently schedule one. You know, and. I think, you know, I think in the, in the next couple of years, they are going to reschedule, uh, these, these substances into a different schedule class, just because there is actually a lot of uh, literature now on the, um, the, the medical effects of the, of these substances. So. Well, outside of the, the legal implications, which again, I think we've done this for two, mm-hmm. two podcasts in a row now, we, we have to tell mm-hmm. our listeners out there, we do not condone we do not support the illegal use of these substances only in research settings is, is what we're really focused in. So outside of those issues, which are long and abiding, what else are we kind of looking at from a limitation standpoint in future research? Yeah. And then second, there could be costs with psilocybin. I think there's going to be some cost limitations, you know, if it does become pharmaceutically available, um, it may be, you know, I think it costs a, a decent amount of money to manufacture it and, and, put into a pill form and things like that. And then administration limitations as well. Um, currently, these studies are being d- conducted in like an eight-hour um, um, session, you know, dosing session. So that's a long day, you know, for someone to have staff there all the time. And and um, and so probably will typically for like an office setting. So it'll probably have to be administered in a hospital-like setting where you can be observed overnight, things like that, um, which could be a, a limitation in, in itself. I think that's a great point, and I think we've we've had this discussion before. Also, the medical issues: what do you do if somebody has an adverse reaction? At what time of day are you giving these these psychedelic substances? I think that's all stuff that really needs to be uh, fleshed out a little bit more. Kind of changing gears: what psilocybin research would you like to see done the most, just from a personal perspective? Uh, I would like to see more further research done on on larger populations. So a lot of these studies were done on. And that's kind of the way it is with current psychedelic research is that a lot of these studies are done on very small population sizes uh, in the follow up time as well. You know, usually they follow up a couple weeks to, to six months later. I'd like to see larger population sizes done um, um, on both depression, anxiety and substance abuse, along with further follow up, a longer follow up to see kind of down the road, you know, where readministration has to kind of take place like for ketamine you know uh, people have to get readministered and things like that um and so it'd be kind of interesting to see how long these effects last and what is it about you know treatment resistant depression substance abuse anxiety in the current psychiatric landscape that frustrates you the most and and kind of leads you down this psychedelic and psilocybin route looking for something as you know practice changing yeah. And in a lot of our, a lot of our medications, uh, they've been around for a long time. They act very similar, um, in their mechanism of action. Um, most of the time they work fairly efficiently, but there are that subset of a subset of uh, people that just 
these medications just can't work for, um, or they don't get the the benefit that they they are promised, um, you know, or that they that they would expect. Um, and so, you know, we don't have any other avenues to go down. And I think that um, with depression and anxiety in particular, um, you know that would give us another option if somebody's failed several different medications and things um, to try these other agents. And then with addiction, you know, really besides the inpatient and outpatient rehab programs and, and AA and things like that, we really, our medications are very limited. Um, and so I think that this would be a great avenue for addiction as well, just getting, you know, um, some of these people the help that they need. And then just kind of wrapping up on this point, do you think society has been overcautious when it comes to psychedelics? Should we be more cautious than, than maybe we are being right now? Is that something you think we should kind of focus on? You know, I think, I think that um, there has been a lot of caution, you know, especially um, given the, the legality of these substances and, and people get concerned about them. I think that, you know, we need to be cautious about everything, but um, I do think that we need to pay more attention to the actual benefits that these patients are getting um, from these substances um, in the current studies, you know. Um, but but yeah, caution, you know, we always need to be cautious um, in, in kind of um, make sure that we're doing what's best for for everyone. Any take-home wrap-up points you'd like to make now, Tony? Um, no, I think, like I said, I think that this is a really interesting area of study and, and I think that a lot of, um, newer research is coming out and I, I look, you know, forward kind of down the road where things are headed. And I know that psilocybin recently got this breakthrough, um, uh, FDA breakthrough, you know, and yeah, uh, second year in a row, second year in a row. Right. Uh, and I'm, you know, I think that it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, you know, next five, five years or so to kind of see where this is headed. Yeah, I would agree. Well, Tony, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you on that in the next podcast when we're talking about your case report. All right. Thank you, Tyler. I hope you have enjoyed today's interview. If you would like to submit an article for potential publication in the journal, or you have further questions, please visit our website, journalofpsychedelicpsychiatry.org, or send us an email at journalofpsychedelicpsychiatry at gmail.com. To stay up to date on all the latest information regarding the journal, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On behalf of Dr. Seaman, thank you for listening to New Perceptions.